Hey everyone, I'm your host, Alex Taylor, co-founder of Parallel. Welcome to Parallel Lives, a podcast where we learn about the tireless yet vibrantly challenging role the women we admire most live in parallel to their careers and personal pursuits, becoming and being a mom. Today's episode is with none other than Whitney Port. You probably know her from a little show called The Hills. She has since become a true multi-hyphenate with a tremendous platform where she inspires women everywhere with her insanely cool personal style and inquisitive nature across her Instagram, her podcast called With Wit, and of course her YouTube channel. But we know her best for her honest conversations about motherhood. In this episode, we talk about second child anxiety, secondary infertility, the ins and outs of the IVF process, her best advice to anyone navigating fertility challenges or even how to support someone who's in the throes of infertility, and also weighing the decision of whether or not to pursue a surrogate. One of the most powerful things she shares is also how she's used grief as a catalyst for a more present and full life. She is full of amazing mantras and wisdom, and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for being a guest on the pod today. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and finally do this with you. I know. I know. Well, everyone listening likely knows you and your story, but I thought it would be good for us to pick up at really the start of your motherhood journey just to kind of ground us on your experience and outlook and just where you were at. So let's start at the beginning. Paint us a picture yeah. of where you were at in life when you found out you were pregnant with Sunny. Oh my gosh. So it was exactly a year after I got married, actually. We had decided that summer. We got married in November of 2015, and we decided then the next summer of 2016, we wanted to start trying. So I was going to go off my birth control. And I thought, you know, I really knew nothing. Like I was. 31 years old. And I was one of the first at that time to really get pregnant out of my friends. Like, I think I'm part of the generation who is like waiting to get pregnant into like the low mid thirties, late thirties even. But I, so I was like, Oh, like maybe this will take six months, whatever. Literally two months later, I'm pregnant. I, I was so casual about it. I took a pregnancy test. I like left it on the counter, went and got dressed for a Pilates class, completely honestly forgot about it. And Timmy walked into the bathroom and found it and was like, Oh my God, oh shit, my Whitney, gosh. you're pregnant. And I was like, Oh my God. And I obviously like immediately called my mom. I was in shock. I was ecstatic, but also like not ecstatic to the core where I was like, I felt like truly mm-hmm. excited. I felt like I I should have even in that moment been more excited than I actually mm-hmm. was, which I didn't really realize, I think, until after yeah. the fact. But that brief period of me finding out I was pregnant and not really feeling anything yet was was great and easy and like expected. I mean, I was like a little scared, but it was the very beginning. And then once I started getting sick, I do not want this. I don't know why anybody does this. Why would they have more than one? How are people not complaining day in and day out about this? Like I just felt like a shell of Mm -hmm. myself. And because I was feeling so physically sick, I wasn't able to show up as a friend or a wife or 
Like in my career, I remember having a really, really big work launch that winter and I was just so sick. I couldn't give it my all and it like didn't do as well as it should have. And I just felt like such a Mm -hmm. slug. And I think that that it was just not the greatest start to my motherhood journey. And so I know you shared your pregnancy on that amazing YouTube series, which to me as someone who's just a touch behind you in my journey, you know, I found to be so refreshingly honest because no one really talked about, you know, of course you're grateful to be pregnant and there's so many wonderful things, but also there's some crazy things that happen to our bodies and we don't have the control that many of us like to have over everything and it's tough. So you had a tougher Mm -hmm. pregnancy generally with Sunny, it sounds like. Yeah, I was really, really, really nauseous, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't throw up. So I Mm -hmm. couldn't really get Mm -hmm. any relief and I had to keep my Mm -hmm. belly full, but I was disgusted by everything. So it was just, just a gross Mm full-time job to keep myself feeling somewhat, I don't even, not even okay. Just like able to exist. And Timmy and my husband, who's a Mm -hmm. producer was like, we should really document Mm -hmm. this. If you're feeling this way, there has to be so many other people feeling this way. And I think because he had that education and knowledge of the reality Mm -hmm. world and like what connects with Mm -hmm. people and how to actually get it made, we were able for the two of us to just like do it in a really organic way. And because it was him filming me like, I didn't feel the pressure to get ready. I could feel so vulnerable. It was really like the two of us Mm -hmm. were having our deepest, darkest conversations and there was just a camera there. And it did cause a lot of grief within our relationship because I would be like, don't push me Mm -hmm. that hard. Like, I don't feel like talking about it right now or you know, there would be moments where we'd have to take a little bit mm-hmm. of a pause a from it because it it could get so emotionally yeah. charged. But it was really the one thing that I've done in my career that I feel like the proudest yeah. of because I think that it's had the biggest impression on people Absolutely. and it's probably helped the most people. Like It indirectly. really has. It became this kind of viral hit, even with women that weren't pregnant like myself or friends that were had already just delivered. And I know you kind of carried it through into your postpartum experience. And I loved how you organized it by stage Mm -hmm. and week and checking in. Thank you for creating that truly. And anyone listening who is, you know, (laughs) thinking about starting a family or in the throes of navigating any of those stages, it's such a helpful resource. It's so funny. I'll get in the, I'll wake up to messages from moms in the middle of the night that were like, it was three o'clock in the morning. I was doing the 3 a.m. feeding and I was, I was looking for something mm-hmm. and I like stumbled across your YouTube mm-hmm. video and it just like helped me feel not yes. so alone in this moment. And I totally. Was like, I mean, that's it's huge. It's amazing. Yeah. How yeah. did you manage your all day sickness and how long did it last? Were you sick your entire pregnancy? I was so nauseous until like my 18th Mm. week. So just a little bit after, you know, a little bit into my second trimester. And I relied heavily at the time. And I don't even know if they're still prescribing this, but I took so much Diclegis, which is a mix of like vitamin Mm -hmm. B and Unisom, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. think, which also 
kind of made me drowsy, but it was like the one thing that really helped yeah. me. And so I highly recommend for anybody really suffering mm-hmm. from nausea that's willing to take something mm-hmm. like that and obviously talk to your OB. Mm-hmm. But that really, really helped me and also helped with the sleeping. I think having things stocked in my fridge that were necessities like full fat mm-hmm. yogurt, whole chocolate milk. Jolly Ranchers, Preggy Pops, like any kind of sour, sucky candies or Mm -hmm. lollipops, tons of fresh fruit. Fresh fruit was like almost all I could stomach. Baked potatoes, the blandest, blandest things like ginger ale, chips. Those were the things I was eating. And I would say mentally just telling yourself while you're eating those things that would normally not be one on your diet, but two, what you really want to be giving your body mm-hmm. at that time. Like you go into pregnancy and you're like, I'm just be going to be feeding it organic yes. and healthy and fresh and all this. And I would say to just put that aside mm-hmm. for now, like everything in mo- motherhood and this, this applies to mm-hmm. so much of motherhood is that it's all a phase yeah. and you need to eat what your body craves. And most importantly, you need to just keep it satiated and mm-hmm. full so that you can be like getting some nutrients and be like feeling some sense of mm-hmm. sanity. Absolutely. That is a good tip. I have a feeling a lot of people will probably just be writing down what you just listed. Yeah. And like, showers, mm-hmm. ice rollers, th- like putting something really, really cold on mm-hmm. my head to kind of like distract mm-hmm. myself. Okay. Those are really good tips. So obviously your indoctrination into motherhood was a little rockier in terms of just feeling sick and the overwhelm with pregnancy, but generally pulling back, did oh. you always see yourself becoming a mom one day? Was that always something you saw? in your future? I knew that I wanted to be Mm -hmm. a mom. I knew that I wanted to be a mom, but I never pictured Mm -hmm. it. I just never knew what I was going to like feel like as a mom or be like as a mom. I couldn't really picture it, but I knew that it was something that I wanted. And I think when I did get pregnant, honestly, I feel like I was sort of going through the motions and I wasn't fully connected to how like big of a deal it was. I was just like, oh, we've been married for six months. Like this feels like the right logical next Mm -hmm. step. And I'm kind of glad that I had that naivete when going into it, because I think that sometimes when you overanalyze, like, is this the perfect time? You know, so many people ask that, is this the right time? Is my job stable enough? Is my partner's job stable enough? Are we living in the right place? Like all those, is this the right time in my life? Sometimes you'll really talk yourself Mm -hmm. out of it because you realize that there is no perfect scenario for you to bring a baby into. I mean, there are things that can obviously make it easier, Mm -hmm. but there's no perfect Mm -hmm. time. It's going to rock you no Mm -hmm. matter what. But once I did become Mm -hmm. a mom, I was like, oh, yeah, this is so in line with who I Um, am. Like, of course, of course, I'm like, I'm so grateful that I got to do this. And even though I wasn't like so intentional mm -hmm. about it and one of those people that like dreamt of it, I cannot imagine anything different. And that's why I've like been trying so hard to have a second, you know, that's such a beautiful yeah. perspective and you you obviously mentioned you know trying to have a second and that's around when we first started talking you were trying for totally. baby number yeah. 2 what was going on at that time tell us a little bit about that journey 
That was hard. So we were trying to get pregnant just mm-hmm. on our own for a while after Sunny. Like we we took a little break for like two years. We weren't really trying after Sunny. And then around two and a half, three years, we started mm-hmm. trying. And it was just like miscarriage after mm-hmm. miscarriage. And I had, I ended up having five miscarriages oh and some we ended up doing autopsies on and some we mm-hmm. didn't. And they were mostly chromosomal okay. issues. It just really, really beat my spirit down, just like completely beat my spirit down. And I didn't know what to do. And I I started obsessing Mm -hmm. over it. Like it started to be, it's so interesting because I actually, people don't talk about this a lot, but about like the second kid anxiety Mm -hmm. and maybe they do. And I just haven't had the conversation, Mm -hmm. but I I saw not, you know, that influencer, not skinny, not, not skinny, not fat. Amanda. Uh Yeah. So she was just talking about how uh, she's getting inundated with the second, the second kid Mm -hmm. question. And it's just like, yes, it's understandable. And I have that reaction. I want to ask people Mm -hmm. that too. Like I want to know so badly, but Mm -hmm. we have to understand that it is again, not one of those questions that we should just casually ask because we never know the position that someone else is going to be going to Mm-hmm. is in because I was literally obsessing mm-hmm. over it to the point where I couldn't do I, I, I couldn't be productive in my life I was it's like so intrusive. I couldn't I was only thinking towards it's the so future. intrusive it's almost like after yes. you get pregnant I, I, people I was, are like when are you going to have a baby it's like we might be trying and it's not as easy as it seems and it's so personal yeah I know. And you're not, I mean, more than other people's Mm -hmm. pressure was really the self-inflicted pressure, but I also didn't need Mm -hmm. that outside Mm -hmm. pressure. And then I finally decided that after that, that I was going to do the egg retrieval where I'm 37 years old, I think actually 30, maybe, yeah, 37 Uh years old. I don't know what I want to do yet. I don't know if I want to keep trying. I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know that I should probably like, we should freeze some embryos. And was that, was that at the recommendation of your doctor, like reflecting on the types of miscarriages that you had? Yes. Yeah. So after my last miscarriage, or after my fifth miscarriage, the doctor was like, it's, I think it's time for you to think about going this mm-hmm. other route. You know, this is like, this can be helped with mm-hmm. science. And I don't, I don't know how many more times this is going mm-hmm. to happen and why set yourself mm-hmm. up to this, like basically give yourself better mm-hmm. odds. And I really didn't want to yeah. do it. Like, I really, really didn't want to do it. I just like, I was just really resistant mm-hmm. to it and scared of it. And I didn't know what it was going mm-hmm. to entail. And I was just mm-hmm. defeated. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. over this, mm-hmm. I'm over it. But push came to shove and I did a lot of thinking and I was like, I don't want to look back on this and yeah. regret it. I don't want to not make this short-term mm-hmm. sacrifice for what could be obviously a very enriching long-term mm-hmm. game. So I mm-hmm. sucked it up like many, many women mm-hmm. do and did the egg retrieval, mm-hmm. which I remember being in it and thinking it thoroughly sucked. Like you are either you or your husband or the nurse that you have to go into every day for two to three weeks are going in and are giving yourself injections in the stomach, either one or two or three at night. And you're sore and you're bruised and you're bloated and your hormones are whack. And then 
you go through the egg retrieval and that surgery is the surgery itself is mm-hmm. really easy and you you wake up from it and you're totally fine there's no okay. pain or anything um but you're just extremely bloated and uncomfortable mm. afterwards like i thought i was going to be yeah. up and back to work after 2 days and i was in bed for like oh, a week wow. afterwards so i always tell people for anyone going in for mm-hmm. egg retrieval to take a good amount of okay. time at least 5 days off afterwards to let okay. yourself rest because I could not get up yeah, off the couch because they blow up your yeah. ovaries. Oh my goodness. I think that's what we want to learn about is what is the process? What does it feel like? What do we need to know? Your tips. I mean, you've been through the trenches, yeah. so we want we want it all. <laughs> yeah. So then if you're actually mm-hmm. making embryos, like if you have a partner and you're you're making embryos, they mix the the eggs mm-hmm. with the sperm. Timmy had to obviously just go into yeah. the office and like they have a computer. It's like a week period where they're where they're watching the embryos and they're watching to see how many last. And and at the time that I did it, or and and with my doctor, Dr. Mm-hmm. Andy Wong, who works very closely yes. with you in parallel, at the time he was giving the embryos grades, mm-hmm. which I think some people had some issues yes. with because it was like, well, what is a grade A? What is yeah. a grade B? Like you're saying we can put in a grade B, but like, is it still going to uh-huh. be okay? You know, it was a little bit confusing, yeah. the grading system. And I've heard now they're not doing that anymore. Some doctors mm-hmm. don't do it, but- yeah, we we ended up we had like I, they took out 22 eggs. They mixed them all with mm-hmm. the sperm. We ended up with five embryos. Two girls, mm-hmm. two boys and then one okay. unknown because I guess and I don't want to mm-hmm. be quoted here cuz I'm okay. not a doctor, but I guess there's certain embryos they're just like a little like a little bit fragile but still fine where they don't actually go through the the um, gender. the gender okay. testing. Okay. Got it. Okay. So that's like sort of a last resort mm. embryo that you put in if like the other four Got don't it. Makes work. Sense. So now like such a relief to have mm-hmm. those, but we're in the process. And obviously you and I discuss like what we yeah. want to talk about and everything. And I'm, it's hard because I want to be so vulnerable mm-hmm. with, with the parallel mm-hmm. community, with my community, like so much of, of who mm-hmm. I am and, and what I want to do and like the imprint I want to make Mm -hmm. in this world is based off of like me sharing what I'm Mm -hmm. going through so that people can feel less Mm -hmm. alone. But I feel like for this specific journey right now, Timmy and I are trying to figure it all out, like figure out the next steps. I feel like we've, we've done the Mm -hmm. prep work. Like we have the Mm -hmm. embryos. We could, I could try again. We have started to look down like the surrogacy Mm -hmm. road, Mm -hmm which is something that's sounding like, you know, very interesting Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. me because I just don't know how much more I can, I can mentally like consume of this before it drives me Is it just that it's been a long road? And was there a moment that just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back that opened your eyes to potentially explore some of these other paths, for example, like surrogacy? Yeah. I was about to do the mm-hmm. transfer myself. Okay. I was about to transfer okay. one of the embryos. Wow. I totally blacked this out. This is so crazy how I feel like I've even told you this before, but so I was about, I was about to go through mm-hmm. a transfer and I got really, really okay. sick, like the week leading mm-hmm. up to it. Like I got 
a horrible stomach yeah. bug and I was throwing up nonstop and I ended up like rupturing my esophagus this. and I had to get an endoscopy, yeah, yeah. remember? And so I was super, super sick and they were like, they were like, this is not a good time to go through with the transfer. Yeah. Like you should be in a better uh-huh. place. I was like just coming mm-hmm. off of that. And I just, after being that sick, I just hit like a rock Mm. bottom. And I was like, I need to take a pause from this. Like I need to take a little bit of a step Mm -hmm. back. And Timmy, you and I need to do some Mm -hmm. digging. I need to take some time where maybe we're not like so in it and talking about it all the time to figure out what is best for our family. And also just how much pressure on you and Timmy to just, it feels like a pressure cooker to be in this stage for so long together. And we'll have to talk about how you supported one another, but where did you go from here? We felt like we were in this insane pressure cooker and then add on time Mm -hmm. to it. And then that adds on so much stress because we're like, well, Sunny's five now. And like, if we're going to do it, now's the time to do Mm -hmm. it. We're in a phase of kind of by spring, beginning mm-hmm. of summer, we want to have somewhat of a, of a plan. Okay. Like we're starting to talk to agencies, mm-hmm. like surrogacy agencies to see what that process mm-hmm. looks like, what that timeline yeah. looks like, what the costs are associated mm-hmm. with it. It's like a very costly mm-hmm. thing and it's only legal in certain mm-hmm. states. And so we're starting to like uncover all that stuff and I'm going through the motions in my head of like, how much do I want to share of this journey? You know, I'm going through all Mm -hmm. of that, but we're, we're just in the, in the discovery phase at the moment. And then we'll make like a Mm -hmm. set plan in the next few months, I think, like depending on what we uncover with the whole surrogacy situation. It's so much to learn and also just emotionally digest. They're huge decisions for you and your family that only you can make and you need space to do that. So I want to take a step back to your miscarriages, if you're open to it. You did something that was really unique and you shared your miscarriages in real time, which was really different. Mm -hmm. You know, most women who miscarry, you kind of learn about after the fact and you shared that very publicly. Why was that important to you? That was so important to me because I just, honestly, I felt like no one had Mm -hmm. done that. And we all see that this edited aftermath of it. And for me, it felt good to, in that moment to like put it all Mm -hmm. out there and get that love and support in return. Like it just really felt like this opportunity for me to really move through an experience Mm -hmm. with my community and show them what it really, really felt like. Like the thing is, is that I had announced that I was pregnant like pretty Mm -hmm. early. And so there was no backtracking. Like the thing was I had, I had announced that I was pregnant. I think that I was like nine or 10 weeks, you know, and it was looking pretty good. And so I think that I was really, really confident. And then once I announced it, I was like, well, now Mm -hmm. I have to really go through the motions. And I could have not, I could have like stopped for a little Mm -hmm. while and then shared after Mm -hmm. the fact and, and had a more controlled Mm -hmm. like version of, of the situation. Mm -hmm. But I really just felt like it would give, it would give women what they wanted, which was just like what was really going on at the time, like all the raw moments, because that's not something that we usually see. You were destigmatizing 
a very real and very common part of the female experience. And we never see that. And I think what was so inspiring to me and the parallel team as we were, you know, and just watching you was that this is part of our experience as women and we have to talk about it and we can create space and support each other as we go through this rather than going through it alone and telling people after the fact, you know, and I think that's like, it's one of the loneliest parts of that journey and you showed the world that you can share and we don't always have the outcome we want and that's okay, but you can also have that support. Yeah. And I just thought that was really, really powerful. Thank you. I, I think that way of showing what you're going through is w- really one of the only ways mm-hmm. to actually like normalize yeah. anything. Like we can sit here and talk about mm-hmm. it all day and tell people that we have no control mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. our bodies and that it's not our fault and to take the blame off and to take mm-hmm. the shame off and three out of every four women have a miscarriage. And we can say all these stats, but it's not really until we see someone's actual Mm -hmm. experience and someone that maybe sort of has like a similar point Mm -hmm. of view to you that we can feel less alone, that we actually, actually feel less alone. And so that was really important for me to do. And it was really hard because I don't usually do that kind of social media. I'm not the kind of influencer that's like flexing Mm -hmm. that muscle all day and taking people on like a Mm -hmm. day in the life or showing people Mm -hmm. updates all the time. Like that just doesn't come natural to me, nor do I want to be Mm -hmm. that type of, you know, have a social media presence, but it was, yeah, it was really powerful. And I feel so grateful looking back on it, as sad as that sounds like that I was able to have that platform and opportunity to share it. And, you know, it sounds like that support and community was really helpful to you coping with loss, but you had five miscarriages. It takes a lot of fortitude Mm -hmm. to keep on keeping on throughout that journey or stretch of your, your story. How, what, what else did you do to find support and keep going? Because also you were still a mom and you're still founder and a partner and you still had all these other roles and hats to wear. So what supported you most? What nourished you? It's so hard because when you're in it, it feels like nothing can really fill that that spot that needs to be filled. And so you feel like a little bit helpless. But I think, you know, there were certain mantras that I continued to tell myself, like to be easy on myself, to say nice Mm -hmm. things to myself, to completely take the blame Mm -hmm. off myself and to know deep down that there was no blame coming from my partner Mm -hmm. either. Yeah that this was purely like a science situation that our bodies have no Mm -hmm. control over. So continually just speaking to myself in that way, giving myself the time Mm -hmm. to rest and not feeling guilty about it, like really leaning into what felt Mm -hmm. good to me um, and either shutting down or opening up when I felt like it, like really setting Mm -hmm. clear boundaries and opening myself up to people when I wanted Mm -hmm. to chat, but also really telling people like, don't come over. I don't want to talk about it or let's not talk about it tonight. Like really just respecting myself in that way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You shared some ways that you really supported yourself thinking about, you know, many of the listeners might have people in their life that are going through 
their own fertility challenges. What are some of the ways that your friends and even Timmy showed up to support you that actually really helped? Is there anything anyone could say or actually things people shouldn't say (laughs) during this time? Yes. I think that if you're a partner and you're listening or you want to tell your partner how to help you, I think that like general displays, Mm -hmm. little displays of affection Mm -hmm. with like, and I'm here for you no matter what happens, go such a long way. Like uh, a hug and like, like I got you no Mm -hmm. matter what, or a touch on the leg Mm -hmm. and like, we're going to get through this together. Like both of us are going through this, Mm -hmm. you know, just those little things. And just kind of like, you know, your partner, you know, your best friend kind of just like assuming or guessing things that you can do without Mm. asking. Like, I don't really think anybody wants to be asked what you can do. Like, I think that they'll tell you if they need something, but also just do something, send them juices, send them a note that says thinking about you, um, send them, I would say, don't even call unless you know that they are like chit chatters, (laughs) like, just just send messages that mm-hmm. say that you're thinking about them and that you're here for them if they want to chat about yeah. something. Um, but I wouldn't go mm-hmm. overboard with it because it's not really something that I found that a lot of people need to just like vent mm-hmm. about nonstop. Yeah. You know, it's like they kind of want to tell you the story and then move on, get a little bit of support yeah. and then move on. Got it. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. well, from the outside looking in, it seems like you are so good at tuning into your own needs. Has that been something that you've had to learn throughout your motherhood journey or is that just something that's come so naturally to you? No, I mean, I am a pretty like, I want to say selfish in quotes because I don't want to call myself a selfish person, but I say selfish, (laughs) selfish in a good way, just because I realized Mm -hmm. that I do need the time for myself or else I am super Mm -hmm. impatient and then I feel really shitty about myself. So now I have realized Mm -hmm. that and my goal is I give myself the time now, but I'm just desperately trying to not feel guilty about it. So like I will give myself the time after this. I'll maybe like while I'm mm-hmm. eating my lunch, I'll I'll listen to like a half an hour mm-hmm. of my book or I'll turn on a half an hour mm-hmm. of my show or I'll get in a quick 25 mm-hmm. minute Melissa Wood Pilates and yoga um, or I'll do like a 10 minute meditation. Mm-hmm. But like I will take care mm-hmm. of myself and when I am being productive, like I just did it, I just Mm -hmm. did it today. And I was really, really proud of myself. Like sometimes I'm always beating myself up for not staying Mm -hmm. on track and like being really kind of flaky and moving from one task Mm -hmm. to another and like not getting done what I told myself I needed to get done. And today I actually was getting stuff done that I needed to get done. And I said, I was talking to myself out loud, granted no one else was home, but I was like, Whitney, you are doing it. Like you're staying Mm -hmm. on task. You're doing what you need to get done. Like there are going to be things at the end of this day that you will not have gotten to, but that's okay. You got to so much. And I I was saying it out loud and I was like, oh my God, I sound like a but it's good but self-talk. I mean, you we look at our yeah. children and we're like, talk to yourself like you love yourself. And it's like, 
we need to do that totally. with our own selves. Yeah. Yes. And I think if our if our kids hear mm-hmm. ourselves, as silly as it sounds, yeah. say that, like they will, it will yeah. affect them. They really do listen mm-hmm. to what, like Timmy's on this new nutrition okay. hack and diet situation where he has to drink like five liters of water a day. And now Sonny is like obsessed with drinking water. And I'm like, (laughs) like that, it's such a small life skill, you know, and they pick up on all those little things. So if not for yourself, do it for your kid. Gosh, you're the first of all, you're the queen of mantras. But what I'm hearing is that you have to fill your cup to be able to pour it out for others. And that happens first. And I don't think it's selfish. It's more of a matter of like, if I'm going to show up and be the best mom, partner, friend, leader, I have to do the work first so that I can show up for you. Um, I love that. And I just won't be the best version of myself Mm -hmm. and then my work will suffer. So I would rather have much more quality Mm -hmm. work, even if I'm working less hours than have all these hours Mm -hmm. of work where I'm just like drained. I just can't work like that. I'm not that kind of person. I need to be like switching Mm -hmm. it up, like up and down, walking around, doing different things. Like can't be at my desk all day. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot, but there's still, there's still always so much more Mm -hmm. that you want to do and like stuff that you can't fit in or stuff that you haven't figured out how to fit in. But I think that you and I have talked about this Mm -hmm. scheduling and things in advance, which helps. And then I'm one of those people where I'll Mm -hmm. schedule it. Like I did this yesterday. I scheduled a Uh yoga class and then something else came up that I felt was more important. So I canceled. I didn't go to the Mm -hmm. yoga class. I like paid the $30 still Mm -hmm. for the class and didn't go and felt crappy about (laughs) it, but had to do something else. And I felt, yeah, yeah, like I didn't feel good. So I'm still working out like my commitment Mm -hmm. to what I Mm -hmm. schedule because like the scheduling still doesn't even stick sometimes. Yeah. You mentioned mom guilt. And I know we've talked about this. We even talked about it with Dr. Becky, which was pretty amazing. You know, how do you manage that? Because irregardless of where you are, it it just creeps in no matter what. Like, how do you manage that? How do you turn that off and refocus and, you know, find that productive energy? I just say that my kid needs like a diverse environment around Mm -hmm. him with a plethora of people and a plethora of like, knowledge. Mm-hmm. And if I can't be around for all of that, like I know that I have established an environment mm-hmm. for him that's nurturing and that's like interesting and unique mm-hmm. that it's okay. He will adapt and he has become a really adaptable kid because yeah. of it. When Sunny was a month old, I took a trip to New York mm-hmm. for work for, it was an opportunity I just didn't want to pass mm-hmm. up. And I feel like because I did that at such an mm-hmm. early phase, I set myself up for this really healthy relationship mm-hmm. with essentially yeah. leaving my kid and like choosing, ch- having healthy mm-hmm. boundaries between mm-hmm. my identity as a mom and how much time I show up mm-hmm. as a mom versus how much time I show up for yeah, everything else. Definitely. 
And as he's gotten older, it's gotten harder and harder to leave Mm -hmm. and do things, you know? So I always tell moms like take advantage of it when they're young and don't realize really like who's taking care of them. (laughs) But yeah, it gets harder as they get older and they get more aware of like needing Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. and a little bit more emotional and sad about Mm -hmm. the whole thing. But in general, like I, I just think that it's important also to leave, lead an example for yeah. your kid uh, of what it means to be like a well-rounded human mm-hmm. being and individual. And that's not just giving yourself up yeah, for one yeah. thing. And giving them always these perfect it's, conditions and, you know, they're going to have to be without mom. I mean, <laughs> eventually. Um, and that's exactly. part of life. And exactly. also to show our children that we have a full life. There is some meme going around the internet as they do. And it was not a meme, but it was like this quote about, you know, I want my children to see me wake up and, you know, write in my journal and go for a run and do things for myself. And, you know, I think about that constantly when I'm feeling that guilt. It's actually I'm modeling for them that it's important to have independence and have my own sense of self because it's easy to get lost in that motherhood days. You're 100% modeling it for them. Like even when I'm doing my yoga class or my yoga, like in the other, on the other Mm -hmm. side of the wall and Timmy's watching a cartoon or something, I'm like, there's something that's maybe subconsciously being imprinted that like mommy wants to be healthy and move her body. And that's, you know, that's good. And, and so I think that that definitely gets imprinted in their little brains. And then also they need to know that like, anything worth having in life does not just come Mm -hmm. out of thin Mm -hmm. air. Like it comes from hard work and that every single human being has a responsibility Mm -hmm. if they want to make a certain Mm -hmm. life for themselves and have certain things, Mm -hmm. they need to work for it. And, and so when Sunny knows that I'm working versus like, maybe picking him up from mm-hmm. school, he, he will one day make the more intricate, like the more complicated mm-hmm. connection of like what I'm mm-hmm. really doing and how I'm supporting. Yeah. But I think that he's learning that the world doesn't just revolve yes. around yes. him too. You know, something just came to mind because now we're talking about Sonny. Was he aware of, because also thinking about perfect conditions and, you know, things don't always go as planned. Was he aware of your fertility journey and challenges and how much did you share with him? And and correct me if I'm wrong, he's about five or six. Okay. Yeah. He's five. So we, we obviously didn't get into like the nitty Mm -hmm. gritty, but we talked to certain child development Mm -hmm. specialists to make sure that we were saying the right things. Like the same person that we talked to when our goldfish died and we need to talk to to teach Sunny what like death was. And they, they said like, you need to keep it in the simplest terms. And essentially what we told him was that mommy and daddy are trying to have Mm -hmm. a baby and it's hard. Like the baby's not, not sticking Mm -hmm. inside, but we're, we're going to keep trying. And, and, and I've taught him that once a baby Mm -hmm. sticks, that it stays in Mm -hmm. the belly for, for nine months, we're working on it, but nothing is for sure yet. So he knows when we did have Uh a miscarriage, it was essentially like the baby didn't, the baby Mm -hmm. didn't stick. It would, didn't, essentially like it wasn't strong enough to keep growing in mommy's mm-hmm. belly, but we're going to keep trying Got and this it. happens all the Got time. It. That's really helpful yeah. language. I think for a lot of parents who might be experiencing some form of secondary infertility. 
Yeah. You can choose like not to, not to tell them at all and just wait to tell them until you're actually Mm -hmm. pregnant. We're just like a very Mm -hmm. open family and have had these conversations with Sonny have had really complicated conversations, unfortunately with like Timmy losing Mm -hmm. his father and my dad passing away, but we've learned how to have it and, and simpler Mm -hmm. factual is really the way to go. You've experienced a lot of grief over these past couple of years. And I'm, I'm so sorry for, for your losses and, you know, my heart aches to think about it. And I do wonder though, like, were there any silver linings or learnings from processing all this grief that you now kind of take into your day-to-day life and mindset? Honestly, I, it sounds so cliche and cheesy, but I legitimately, have never felt happier. I feel like because I had those Mm. moments and I know what it feels like to be so low and I have perspective on it. And I am so much more grateful Mm -hmm. of my like presence of mind at Mm -hmm. this point that I I don't know if I would be in this place. You know, I don't know that I would be so grateful for Mm -hmm. what I have. And I still, I feel unsettled about it because I'm not there isn't a second Mm -hmm, baby mm -hmm. and I don't have Mm -hmm. a plan. And so there is that, there is that still like ruminating Mm -hmm. in my head, but I do feel like such a more interesting, like resilient person Mm -hmm. because of it. And I think that sometimes like we're put here and Mm -hmm. things happen to us for bigger purposes, as cheesy as that sounds too. And I already have this platform to be able to share. So like we just keep saying, like my hindsight Mm -hmm. on is I'm just so grateful that it happened so that I can Mm -hmm. be like a sounding board and a safe place for people to come to when they're dealing with this. And that has really given me so much Mm -hmm. confidence. That has given so Mm -hmm. much meaning Mm -hmm. to my life. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful to have that outlook and really find what are those lessons and staying grounded in, you know, presence and celebrating your resilience. Speaking of. And so lucky that I have Sunny. Yes. Like I have Mm -hmm. one, like I didn't think I would only Mm -hmm. have one, you know, and I want more, but I don't also want to be greedy. And I have to, I'm so grateful I have him and that I like had him uh, myself. Mm -hmm. Like I was able to get Mm -hmm. pregnant that one time and I was able to like, give birth to a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I, that, that made me, this all has made me feel mm-hmm. so much more grateful for that whole yeah. experience that I think I would have just kind mm-hmm. of like thrown out. I feel out, like the antidote you know? to most of life's challenges is just gratitude, which is what I'm hearing from you. Yes. You just have to find what can I be grateful for. And it nine times out of 10 will, you know, show you the light. <laughs> right. Right. And without having like the toxic positivity totally. aspect to it, like allowing yourself to feel yeah. sorry for yourself and feel shitty and yeah. be depressed. Like that's another, you know, other mm-hmm. words of advice after yeah. these kinds of scenarios, like don't shun don't away those feel feelings. Your feelings. Like just because so many other, yeah. pe- exactly. Just because so many other people have them and you feel like, you know, you want to wish it away. It, let them come because you, you they will come up in other ways and you don't want to have any kind of resentment towards that when going into the next step, you know? Definitely. Well, I have two more questions for you before yeah. we wrap up. Looking back on who you were when you got that first 
positive pregnancy test for Sunny and to who you are now, Mm -hmm. what is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself over these past five years? I have learned so much, but I have learned that one, that it's okay to be sensitive. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be sensitive, but to not let that sensitivity like totally overcome your identity as a mom. And what I mean, I know that can sound confusing. You can feel all the feelings and you can and and you can feel like you may not be able to get through this, but like I said that everything is a phase and that you are capable of so much more than you yeah. know. And I think for me that I I cannot believe how much I've overcome and how much I've actually figured out on yeah. my own. And also just like what a killer mom I yeah. can be. Like I'm not a killer mom all the time, but that I or at everything, but there's aspects of myself as a mom that I'm just like, oh my God, I I'm so mm-hmm. proud yeah. of myself for like the patience and for figuring this totally. out. Yeah. And and I think that that, that is huge. Yeah. That we shouldn't look at how we're doing as a mom like completely. Mm -hmm. I think we have to really hone in on what we're doing great at and like really give ourselves credit for those things. Amen. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Well, final question for you. What is the most valuable piece of advice that you've received while on your motherhood journey that you would like to share with our community? I think going back to what I said mm-hmm. earlier was that re- to remember that everything truly is mm-hmm. a phase that really is, has what has continuously gotten me through from the time I found out I got pregnant to being a mom of a five-year-old, like everything is just mm-hmm. a phase that you will eventually work through. There's a beginning and a middle and an end to every mm-hmm. phase. And there's always someone out yeah. there to help you get through mm-hmm. that phase. You know, I wouldn't, I, I think it's really valuable to, to find one or two people that you really, really mm-hmm. trust that you can go to about anything. Because sometimes I find like the plethora of, uh, of opinions that come in can really kind of confuse us and we can get a little bit out of touch with our gut. So I would, I would remember that everything is a phase and I would remember to just like turn to one or two Mm -hmm. people to to connect with when you really need that support that you can trust. That's so good. You are so wise. I feel like we could talk forever. Thank you you so much (laughs) for being a guest and sharing your story. And I hope that you know, listeners find help and support in your, your storytelling and journey. And just thank you. Oh my God, of course. And I have to say yes. one more thing to oh. parallel. <laughs> I've obviously been, I've been taking the women's oh, multi and I've gotten so many compliments on my, oh my hair God. lately <laughs> on how long it is, how shiny it's, that beauty and it's so healthy. <laughs> I'm so excited. So just wanted to tell you guys that. Thank you so much. That means everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L 
parallelhealth.com or on Instagram at Parallel Health. I'm Alex Taylor, and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today's episode was made possible by the company that I co-founded alongside my co-founder, Tori, and Dr. Vyati, which is Parallel. We are the first and only OBGYN-founded women's vitamin, offering targeted nutrition for each unique stage of the motherhood journey, from preconception through each individual trimester, because mom and baby need different nutrients to support them, and into postpartum. We created this product because we felt completely failed by the available options on the market. There was an opportunity to create more targeted nutrition for each of these stages. And so we turned to the nation's top doctors to formulate these products. So each product is meticulously formulated by our founding team of world-class doctors, which includes notable OBGYNs, widely published maternal fetal medicine doctors, award-winning endocrinologists in partnership with functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, nutritionists, and even doulas. It was so important for us to create a product that both Eastern and Western medicine doctors could agree on. I personally take the mom multi-pack. I have a little one who's two years old and four years old, but we have incredible products for all the different stages. So for all of you listening, we are going to offer you a very exclusive 20% off your first month with code podcast 20. So head to parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com and use that code.